attorney at law, advocate at heart. Happy Thanksgiving, and also, Happy Veterans Day. This year, I am so thankful for the veterans that make our freedom possible. So how do we go beyond thank you for your service? That's exactly what our guest today is going to be talking to us about. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Kathy Lowry Gallowitz is the author of the book Beyond Thank You for Your Service. She's also the founder of Vanguard Veteran. She's a third generation veteran and she served nearly 30 years in the U.S. Air Force as a nurse and a public affairs officer. She holds advanced degrees including a master's in nursing and political science. She is the recipient of numerous civilian and military and she is an avid world traveler. She loves the Midwest and Southwest, and she's married to a retired career active Army combat veteran. Welcome, welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much for making the time out of your busy week. I know that we have all of the exciting holiday activities coming up, so I'm so glad that you could squeeze me in. So please... Tell us a little bit about how you became interested in serving our nation's veterans. Okay, let's start off with the cliff note version of my life because that is an important. <laughs> it's it's important to understand, you know, my why as to why my life's calling is to cultivate civilian veteran champions. Yes. So I grew up in an active duty Navy family, supporting my dad's career as a pilot and communications engineer. Lived overseas about eight years, moved about 15 times growing up as a kid. Wow. Went to a French-speaking preschool in Paris, France, graduated from high school in Keflavik, Iceland. After living somewhere for seven years, you know, I was 16 years old, a junior in high school. First, you know, had my driver's license and was, you know, excited about that level of independence. I had a boyfriend, my first boyfriend all kinds of friends. I was in Girl Scouts getting my gold award and I was a varsity cheerleader. I had, I, I just, I was, had the strongest sense of belonging I'd ever known. And reflecting back on it, I just went to my 45th high school reunion and um, realized that that was the strongest sense of belonging I have ever known to date in my life because wow. of all the moving. So anyway, before the age of 35, lived in about 20 different communities when we finally stopped moving because I wanted my sons to have roots because I never had them. Well, living in a small, living in Lancaster, Ohio, I realized that my life had been a little different from most Americans because of the mobility and, you know, because of the influences of military culture. Uh, frankly, uh, a best friend of mine, Laura, who still lives in Lancaster, was my first veteran champion. When, when she came alongside me during some really dark times, I, I just started to realize that, you know, I had almost zero best friends because I'd been moving so much. And so wow. uh, I was very self-reliant, very independent, you know, knew how to make things work without really strong local support systems. You know, my mom died uh, when uh, she was 52. So I had her, you know, my, my throughout all my youth, but Anyway, I realized, gosh, I just don't have that many good friends. I don't have this comfortable safety support network. And then I thought, well, what else has been different about my life? And so there were other things like I'd never been to a funeral other than my grandmother. Because when you move so much, you don't know people that are sick, right? right. Um, and when you're and in the military, you're around mostly young and healthier people, right? And, and the yeah. other thing was... I really didn't know how America works, you know, because I'd had my civic, my government classes in high school, but mm -hmm. I didn't know what a city council was. I didn't know what a county commissioner was. And, you know, I didn't really understand the way the political system works. And so I got involved in politics to, you know, try to figure all that out. Um, but, you know, my life had been different uh, than, than many Americans who hadn't either been a military dependent or a military person themselves. Right. So that was kind of my, my personal experience. And then fast forward many years later when I was a public affairs officer at the 121st Air Refueling Wing and then subsequently um, uh, statewide setting up an outreach program 
in response to 9-11 to educate and engage civilians in support of troops and their families. Did this for the Ohio National Guard. And it was really important because our troops were deploying like no time in our nation's history. And so the needs of our troops and their families was far greater than it had been when we were, if you will, a, a strategic reserve. And so, okay. you know, I, I'd already had this personal life experience about how military service influenced me as a kid and as an adult. And then through the outreach program, oh my gosh, I started to, you know, see and learn and feel firsthand how much pride enthusiasm, and frankly, I'll even go so far as to say joy that civilians got when they really got up close and personal with military people, when they understood them a little bit better, and when they could do meaningful, substantive things to help bring our service members all the way home, whatever that means. So the book showcases about 20, generally, mostly Ohio civilian veteran champions who've improved quality of life, workforce, or community through their circle of influence. You can be, uh, 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 it, 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 we talk about what you can do as a, a community member, as a neighbor, and then, and then um, all kinds of things, employers, lawyers, doctors, uh, educators, and clergy can do practical things that those different groups of people can do to really make an impact and serve those who have done so much for us. Because, you know, uh, so many people would even say to me, you know, I guess I get goosebumps even talking about this. The civilians would talk about, had lunch last week with a business colleague here in, in the Arizona area where I now live. And she was talking about her role in a previous veteran hiring initiative that she started at her company. And she said, frankly, I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. And so it's so cool. It's so cool. And it's so so meaningful. It really is. And so that's that's what motivates me and gets me excited is, you know, just kind of equipping those civilians who really do want to do more and just don't know where to start or or how to do it. And, and um, giving them the opportunity to, to serve military people and encouraging them and thanking them. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, yes. And, you know, for my listeners, um, Kathy's book, Beyond Thank You for Your Service, it really just, like you said, helps to arm all of us who are wondering, you know, how can I take that next step? How can I go a little bit further? I have um, a, a deep feeling of, of patriotism or thank you for for those that have served, but how do I really put that into action? And exactly. um, so, I mean, I just, I have gotten just recently talking to um, someone in communications and I've also talked to, talked about um, defining the terms before we start into um, an argument or a discussion. And I love how your book starts out with like laying out these terms of like, we have individuals who can be veteran champions. We have individuals who are veteran connected. Can you kind of like lay out those terms for, for the listeners first so before we dive into kind of Absolutely. learning? The I, I, I love that uh, your your attorney skills are, 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 are playing in here because the definition is important, right? It's a starting place. Okay, Absolutely. so I, I define a veteran champion is someone who has never worn the uniform, a, a civilian who goes out and develops mutually beneficial activities or services that promote quality of life, workforce, and community. For instance, a city could offer discounts on pool, on recreational facility admissions. That is a a service, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Activities, all kinds of activities can be built that foster relationships between military and civilians and support military. I yes. lead with the part of the definition of quality of, of quality of life, improved quality of life. I think that's the, the first part of the definition because yes, all of these activities or services that are mutually beneficial are 
pointed at helping the military connected person, right? We're supporting them more. And yet, I contend, and I know because of those goosebumps, right? I know that when a veteran's quality of life is enriched, it also improves the quality of life in some meaningful way for that civilian. And if it's only to get goosebumps, but you know what? Those goosebumps originate because that citizen already highly values their actions, right? Yes. It, it obviously yes. hits a chord with them. And so Absolutely. if that's bringing them pride and satisfaction and, and it's, and it's um, you know, giving them meaning and purpose, it gives the citizen meaning and purpose. Wow. That's, that improves their quality of life as well. But absolutely, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. It doesn't work if it's only one way. My, my tagline is join the veteran champion movement and be a part of the win. Yes, absolutely. And to, to kind of dive into that why, um, I love how your book kind of takes us through just a brief history of kind of how we got here today to caring more and doing more. For our veterans, and it talks about how there was a higher percentage of um, PTSD that was occurring in veterans that come back from Vietnam than there was in veterans that came back from Iraq. And so, do you think that any of that statistic is tied in any way to the negative public reception that that one group coming back from Vietnam had versus? how we've kind of really gotten better by the time soldiers came back from Iraq. Like, how do you think that that played into the change there? It is absolutely significant. I mean, the, 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 the wounds of war are great. And if you have even a, a prayer of a chance of resolving them, you have to be surrounded by supportive people who, who appreciate your sacrifices, right? Yes. Um, and so we're... Those poor Vietnam veterans, I tell you, it's just so wrong what they experienced. And if anybody's listening, please go out of your way. I, I implore you, go out of your way and thank Vietnam veterans for what they've done and welcome them home. I mean, they cannot yeah. hear that enough. Not enough. But but go beyond thank you for your service for them and, <laughs> and other veterans and work at developing a relationship with them. Yeah, uh, and so you know we are so lucky in this day and age, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans to live at a time in our nation's history when you know even if even if they didn't support the war, they supported the warrior and still do and still do. And so you know going into I mean I was driving through a drive-through recently on my car I have Vanguard veteran you know uh, signage on it and the lady in front of me paid for my my drive-through and uh, I was like I didn't have a uniform on she didn't know me a complete stranger those things are so appreciated but that's the tip of the iceberg okay we have so much there's so much more that every citizen can do to uh really 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 go beyond thank you it's important absolutely um and you know I talking to Vietnam veterans who describe this moment of, of getting off of um, getting back on civilian land and just being spat on, being called murderers. There's been so many stories of just that disrespect that that happened there. Um, and then, you know, you kind of fast forward to today. And I think that I've, I've heard veterans talk about this issue that a lot of times people, when they make it seem like that all veterans have PTSD, they are watering down and, and really... Um, uh, really taking away from the struggle of those that actually do. Um, so it's, it's hurtful in so many ways to have that perception, not just because of, you know, what kind of opportunities that it may take away from those that right. do not have PTSD, but also because of how much harder it is to really get the care, concern, and respect that should be there for those that actually do struggle with that disorder, you know? So it's that's... Uh, and so um, I, I frame it this way, that there are myths and misconceptions that, uh-huh. that still predominate in our society. One of yes. which, as you described, is that most veterans have PTSD. That is not true. Uh, not at all. Of, thank you. The Department of Veterans Affairs reports 
that about 20% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans and about 30% of Vietnam veterans have post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, it really does our service members a disservice to paint them with that brush because they already feel, research shows that 55% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans already feel disconnected from mainstream America. The Bush Institute reports that 84% of veterans feel like most Americans do not understand the challenges they face and that post-military transition is difficult for 76, 75% or so of those who are transitioning. So, you know, we already feel disconnected, out of place, like maybe we're a foreign person in a foreign land with a foreign culture and a foreign language. That's a quote from one of the, from a transitioning veteran. We already feel that way. And if we have challenges or needs, you know, gosh darn, don't paint us with that general brush of, you know, you're broken. Well, yes, there are challenges that come with experiencing combat, certainly. For me, my simple description as we started, my my frustration was I didn't feel like I belonged places and I didn't have a strong support system because of all the moving, right? Well, that's a simple thing. I mean, yeah, I guess, right? I mean, it's you got to figure out how to overcome it. But if you have a, um, a condition related to your stressors, uh, it makes mm-hmm. it even harder. And oh, by the way, we need to say this. We need to say this, that Military people are not the only ones that have post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. As I understand it, about two-thirds of our population, two-thirds of our societies experience trauma, right? Yes. So you are, are, because because of the low percentage of people that have served in the military, in your walk in life, you are more likely to meet a civilian, someone who's never served, who has PTSD, than to meet a veteran. The reason you hear about the veterans is because it's, I believe, sensationalized in the media, right? Because some, some veterans really, you know, there are some really tragic occurrences and, and, and yet another myth and misconception is that people with PTSD are more violent than others. Well, it's not so people that have post-traumatic stress disorder can manage their triggers and they are not. They are not more highly dangerous and, and, and eruptible. Um, it is, it is, you know, a a, uh, a a reasonable consequence of war is to yes. figure out, you know, how do I come back from and heal from things that nobody should ever have to see. Yes, those are some brilliant points. Absolutely, and I I also love how there was a doctor. Um, I think it was Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, and she said she had a quote that said that um, PTSD is a survival mechanism. And so when we stop uh, putting uh, veterans in this category of this other category and point out, like you said, that this is happening in two thirds, it's like, yeah, that makes sense because it's it's just a survival mechanism. It's something that the brain does. To protect itself when we as humans go through trauma. It happens. It happened to veterans and it happens to us as civilians. Yeah. So I hope that, that you know, that can be a bridge to well, between but, the two. Wow, I appreciate you, you I appreciate you highlighting that. And since we're on Dr. Chris Ann Gordon, the other thing that, she, that I love what she said is that when, 90, when, when 1% of our country goes to war, do you remember this part of the book? 99% of Americans go to the, 99% of Americans go to the mall. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, wow. What, doesn't that just give you an incredible perspective about what yes. people are thinking about and the dip in the military civilian divide, right? Yeah. 99% of America is thinking about what they're going to buy on Amazon next. Or what they're going to, right? The simplicity of those lives and the complexities and the stress associated with, uh, with, with certainly combat veterans. And, and yet, you know, please understand that we don't all go to combat. I didn't, I didn't do that. My, my husband did. He, he has four combat tours. But, um, you know, we, 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 we veterans are more often than not highly resilient. Okay. Yeah. We have to, we have to learn how to overcome 
you know, 20 moves in 35 years. We have to learn how to be separated from our, from our families. We have to learn to be in a zero fail mission mentality. We have to learn how to cope with lots of hierarchy and, and, and fast paced work environments. And, and oh, by the way, the loss of comrades. I mean, that's the toughest part, right? So we are, we are strong people by nature because we've had to be, but along with that, another part of military culture is that, um, we don't like to ask for help. We're so independent minded that we don't like to ask for help. And so that hurts us oftentimes in the long run. Yes. And I remember when you pointed out in the book that like there are veterans who, um, feel like they've done less because they haven't been in combat. And as soon as the book said that, I was like, you know what? You are so right that I've gone to thank uh, veterans at my church or in the community, like, thank you for your service. And they'll say, ah, well, I didn't, I didn't go out there. But like you point out, it's not just the combat that adds to, um, you know, what is difficult or what has been given in service. It's also that you're constantly ready that you, you could die that okay. you are so closely connected to those that are coming back and forth from overseas yeah. that you are immersed in military culture your family is giving their service to that you know so yeah. many levels to that yeah you're willing to live apart from your family in some cases you're willing to live apart from your other military spouse i mean yes. just think about this is this is a small example but you know you have to be physically fit all the time. You have to pass a physical fitness test. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to live by a code of military justice, by a code mm-hmm. of conduct. Okay. Yes. It requires a lot of self-discipline and, but you know, that those are the easier things for us to do that, that, you know, many of us love about military service. You know, the, the harder part is, um, you know, clearly being separated from your family or losing comrades or, just you know, facing the stress that we stress that we that we face. Um, I, I want to offer this too while we're on this topic. And uh, thank you for your service is definitely appreciated by most. But I have heard that some uh, veterans, you know, sometimes feel like ah, it's just it, it's it's kind of hollow, right? So maybe if you would consider saying something like thank you for your service and sacrifice. Okay. Mm. And it, a lot of it depends on how it's delivered, right? And just the yes. authenticity and the sincerity within, with the, how that comment is said. But the other thing I heard recently from a, a, a female veteran podcast host, actually, she said, uh, and, uh, she said, how about saying thank you for wearing the uniform? Oh, wow. Thank you. That's how I felt, too, when I first heard it, because, you know, that signifies a lot to a military person because yes. we, wear that, we wear that uniform with pride. You know, the American yes. flag on our arm and our rank and, you know, our core badge and, um, you know, it, it represents democracy. It represents freedom. It represents mm-hmm. discipline. It represents professionalism. Yes. Um, it, it represents responsibility. It just it rep- represents the American flag. And so thank you for your uniform is a really uh, authentic, meaningful thing that you could also consider saying. Yes, I love that. I love that. Um, so kind of transitioning to, uh, to serving um, veterans, the book mentioned uh, this really great quote that said that um, crisis involves the destruction of meaning. Um, and so I, I, that really resonated with me because it's like, you know, you come back home from overseas and you've had some meanings that have been destroyed in so many different ways. Maybe you've had fallen comrades. Maybe you have, um, you know, figuring out how to reorient yourself to civilian life. Um, can you kind of like talk to the listeners a little bit about like, what kind of meanings are destroyed as they come back from overseas? Because a lot of civilians feel, oh, relief that, that their dad is back, that their mom is back, that their friend is back. But for the veteran, it may mean the destruction of meaning coming home. I just have to say, that's a brilliant question. Okay, thank you for asking that. I'd like to approach that from two different vantage points. First, let's say you're coming, you're coming back from combat. Okay, 
and 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 it is somewhat eh, crisis is a little bit of a, of a strong word, but it's also tough transitioning post military service. So we'll look at two different aspects of this question. Okay, yes. um, the if 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 crisis destroys meaning, let's say you know, in terms of relevancy to combat, what happens? What the research shows is that about forty percent of combat veterans have a difficult time finding meaning or purpose and regaining touch with their spirituality after mm-hmm. after combat. We've all heard of moral injury, which is a, an, uh, a violation of a belief system that is, we're taught as Christians, thou shalt not kill, right? Well, in the demands of war, it's required of you to kill or be killed, right? Now, I'm not right. speaking from firsthand experience. I'm speaking as a healthcare professional, someone who studied this, someone who has specialized training in soul injury. That's the next topic. It's um, soul injury is unmourned loss, unforgiven guilt and shame. And, you know, we Americans focus on rugged individualism, right? And, you know, uh, and and veterans don't like to ask for help. And so you got to be strong, tough. You got to tough it out. And so we're not taught how to mourn. We're not taught how to grieve. And oftentimes we haven't forgiven ourselves. We have survivor's guilt, right? Uh, and so we haven't forgiven ourselves or others. So it's a crisis because you have you may have moral injury, you may have soul injury, uh, you may may be angry at your God. You know how could you let this happen to to me and my? How can I? You know my my brethren, uh, my fallen comrades, um, and. How can we live in such a world that that allows this sort of you know devastation and just mm-hmm. horrific events that we have to experience? And so, um, you know, and, 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 and some feel that God will not forgive them for what they have had to do in combat. Just real quick, there's a book um, written by Deborah Grassman called Peace at Last. This is for combat veterans who have struggled with unmourned loss, unforgiven guilt and shame. And it, it really does explain soul injury and how to maybe heal from it. And so and you, that's, you said that soul injury is, is when there's unforgiven things and the moral injury is when you're doing things that go against your morals, even against though your belief system. So moral both. injury is a, is a belief system and the soul injury is more about your soul and your emotions, that kind of thing. Does that help? Okay. Does that help? Got it. Yeah. Both are both are very important, and they kind of overlap. But um, Opus Peace, Deborah Grassman, the founder and the author of Peace at Last, is very very careful, very carefully distinguishes between the two. So if anybody has a loved one who um, is is struggling, you know, you don't know if it's PTSD, but they're they're just pretty shut off. You know, that would be a great book for you to read and then to give to them. But please realize it's very, very normal for combat veterans to not talk about their experience. They just won't do it. They may talk about it with another combat veteran, but but not with the civilian. So that is that is the crisis there. And the best thing you can do as a lay person is to start a military ministry to help them with that. So we'll talk about that in a little bit later, I hope. So this, the second part of this question is, um, you know, how difficult it is to transition after military service. And the, 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 the key reason is because we lose our identity. When, when you have been used to wearing the same clothing, having the same values, more often than not the same training or at least the same foundation, uh, when you're used to doing something that's bigger and better than yourself, when you're used to potentially, who knows, living in the same barracks, living on the same base, eating at the same chow hall, okay, working and living uh, alongside the same people who are kind of, you know, they have different jobs, but we all have the same mindset, okay? When, when you don't have to think about what to wear in the morning when you get up, and you don't have to think about what's important, not you, but the team, right? When it, it just all shifts, when you come out of this incredibly structured, hierarchical organization that that meets mission that does the job that keeps our country safe and then we have the most powerful military in the in the, in the world so it's obviously doing what it's intended to do 
So when you yeah. come back into a very unstructured, a very unclear uh, environment where your your community doesn't really understand military culture and where employers don't really understand how to leverage the skill sets that military people bring to the workforce, when the faith community is somewhat out of touch with the needs of military connected people, you know, and the VA is overwhelmed. They do great work, but they're overwhelmed. And the veteran doesn't like to ask for help, right? So it's it's kind of a quandary, right? It's yeah. kind of a quandary. Um, yes. So that's why civilian veteran champions are so important so that they understand what they can do and they they understand, but more importantly, they act, like you said earlier. Yes, that makes sense. You know, what had um, really prompted me to reach out to someone that was really being an advocate for veterans to, to interview is that I have been talking to um, a friend that works in a, a corporation that is involved with um, geology. And he had mentioned in passing how um, that corporation had been asking him as, as a recruiter and as a hire, um, saying, you know, to kind of stray away from hiring veterans because of the mindset that um, that they couldn't be creative, that they could they would very much follow orders, that they wouldn't step out of line or kind of problem solve. If things came up, they would be looking for direction. And I just felt like that was so out of line with veterans that I had known personally. And so I wanted to connect with someone that was an advocate to really get the word out to, to employers who may be in that same mindset that like, there is an array of talents that veterans bring um, to the field that many employers are already benefiting from. It makes good business sense for you to also um, benefit from, but also it's just, it is, I think, a part of what we're, we're called to do. If we're being protected by these individuals, let's find places for them to fit in and make a livelihood that they feel fulfilled. <laughs> Congratulations on being an awesome veteran champion, man. Well done. You said that beautifully. You said that beautifully. And where that starts from is the myths and misconceptions that, uh, you know, I, I don't know how else to say it, but, you know, what do we see on TV about the military, the drill sergeants, you know, buck up, yelling, okay, well, that's a means to an end. That's instilling discipline. That's instilling surveillance that's that's instilling uh you know resiliency and just you know a lot of important skills that it takes to really be a good team member um, yes. and so there is that myth and misconception that military people can only bark orders or they can um only follow orders or that brainwashing um, yeah that they're rigid in their thinking and they're not creative i gotta tell you you know the environment especially these combat veterans man i've never been there but the dynamic nature of the of the combat field, if you will, when you have to be creative, yes. responsive, flexible, you have you know a a a, a battle plan, right? Mm -hmm. a, a thought out well, and that's a great um, uh, decision making uh, process. is is a great way to approach any problem in life or in in in. Uh, in, in work. And so th that is part of our inherent skill set is to have a well thought out plan. But you know, what happens in work? Nothing happens according to plan, right? So you have to be creative, dynamic, and uh, resourceful, resourceful. So wow. that person who that person who shared that thinking with you needs a, uh, a military culture class, but more importantly, they need a relationship just like you described exposure to people who do demonstrate those capabilities yes. so that they're thinking so that they're thinking is shifting and you know what that's no different that's no different from any other uh diverse group in our society we're all different you know we all have yes. different cultural cultural underpinnings cultural understandings of words or actions and so if that's i'm just going to say it strong loud and proud here that's our obligation as American citizens Amen. to bridge to bridge the difference of yes. of groups of people who are different for us from us, be it in skin color, be it in uh, ethnic heritage, 
be it in military service. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, and, and, and again, you said it best, you know, don't we kind of have an obligation, if not an opportunity to do yes. that for those who sacrifice so much for us and make our freedom possible? Because you guess what else? Only three out of 10 Americans are even eligible to serve in the military because of things like weight requirements, mm -hmm. because of, you know, getting in trouble with the law. There's certain, you know, legal, legal offenses that, you know, restrict you from serving or potentially being able to pass the academic tests, the, the minimum requirements uh, to, to join the military. So when, when, when few, when, when, a select few can really do this job that not all Americans want to do. And, and these special Americans are willing to raise their right hand and potentially ultimately sacrifice their life for our, for our country, the greatest nation on the planet. My goodness, the least we can do for them is help them, you know, be open-minded. A girlfriend of mine said, approach the veteran community with open ears and open hearts. Oh, uh. That's so perfect. Oh, I love that. Open ears and open hearts. And that's um, not just for the military uh, community, right? That's for any community that might be different from you and from your experiences. Yes, I love it. And I really love like how throughout the book that it's just patriotism is just this key theme throughout that we're, we're looking at ways that we can step in. And it's so cool to me to see all the ways that um, communities and nonprofit efforts and um, private business efforts that not only are they doing things that the government uh, funded programs aren't designed to do, that they aren't maybe set up to do, that they aren't maybe fully or well enough doing, but they also are um, finding ways to improve government initiatives. We see um, veteran champions that, uh, that, are active in like forming legislation that forms that kind of addition to um, to government existing government initiatives. So I thought that was so cool. It's just seeing how community and nonprofit and individuals and private businesses we just if we step in a lot of times we're going above, further, filling in gaps where the government's not designed to or isn't able to or hasn't thought of doing. Well. And um, our democracy is better when we take individual responsibility for making things right instead of leaning on government and making government bigger because we know yes. that government can tend to be can tend to be sluggish mm -hmm. and you know just you know just too slow in their response. And so wherever you sit, whatever you do, you can do something as a as a civilian veteran champion, as a neighbor, um, or as you know you're an attorney, and so. Um, a, a, a dear friend of mine, former Supreme Court Justice Eve Stratton, I called her the ultimate uh, civilian veteran champion collaborator because she started a nonprofit to support civil legal cases of veterans. She helped rally the bar associations to, um, you know, offer uh, military culture sensitivity training for lawyers. She was involved in setting up veteran treatment courts, offering. Uh, curriculum and approaches for the mentor program. Now, you don't have to be a Supreme Court justice to do good things, right? Anybody right. can do things from, no matter where they sit. Um, can I talk a little bit about military ministry and employment real quick? Absolutely, absolutely. And for the listeners that don't know, um, Kathy's book also points out that veterans commit suicide at a rate of 20 veterans per day. And so we really need to be looking at ways that employers and members of the faith community can really step up and walking alongside um, our, our warriors as they come back home. Like what made the difference in getting those clergy members involved? Because I know it was difficult in Ohio at first, getting that off the ground and running. Well, the Department of Veterans Affairs, again, another shout out to them, probably over a decade ago, realized the uh, influence of spiritual healing generally uh, for warriors and uh, looked around and was thinking, wow, there's just not enough faith community leaders involved in this effort. So they developed the Community Clergy Training Program, which we offered in Ohio and trained about 300 clergy members to help them understand their unique role in, uh, in supporting uh, veterans, especially post-combat, but 
you know, because they already have oftentimes counselors in place because they are a very hospitable organization because, you know, spiritual healing is their core competency already. Um, and because, you know, clergy members are well-respected uh, opinion, opinion setters oftentimes in communities and, you know, and, and people of faith often do want to serve others in meaningful ways. And so because of moral injury, soul injury, um, the VA really wanted to pull in the faith community. Since then, uh, since educating the, the, the official leaders, the clergy members of any faith, right, um, I have turned my attentions towards equipping volunteer faith community leaders to develop military ministries inside their places of worship. You do not have to be a pastor, a a military member. Uh, uh, I, I'm a nurse. You don't have to be a nurse or a counselor. You need to be someone who loves our military, has some leadership skills, and wants to make a difference for military-connected people. These military ministry, there's no cookie-cutter approach. It's not one-size-fits-all. It's who's in your group, what are their needs, what do they want to do, what what are they willing to support, and and what are your strengths? Uh, are let's say, are you close to a military base? Uh, yeah, you know that that shifts maybe maybe your priorities. We have a uh, we're a member of a non-denominational church in the Greater Phoenix area, nowhere near a base. And our our military ministry is basically a fellowship group, and so we come together and um, generate practical support for one another. We share things that are on our hearts, you know, to a degree. Yes. We develop we develop individual friendships. And then if needed, connect people to support services and or to the VA. I just recently connected someone from my group to uh, the VA service that I was lucky enough to have sort of an inside track. But you don't need that. But what you do need is understanding of military culture, a love mm -hmm. for military connected people, some leadership skills and a general knowledge about uh, veteran community resources. And so the first Sunday of every month at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I offer Military Ministries Matters, a virtual one-hour conference call to help anybody who would like to learn the basics. And, you know, I'll, I'll hang alongside you when you come up with struggles. But, you know, if you're a person of faith, especially if you're a Christian, you know, we know that God will help us find the path. And that if you lean on God, it, it, it's, it's going it, to, it's all doable. You know, all things come together for those of us who, who love the Lord. So uh, military yeah. ministry is life changing. You can do it in any any particular faith that you might uh, be a part of. And there's a lot of resources. You can go beyond being a fellowship group to being a study group. You can, you know, be a, a, a be a book group and, you know, talk about the books you read. Crew Military has resources that are fabulous to, to study trauma and to help, you know, resolve trauma. So um, if, if you're interested, uh, my website is VanguardVeteran.com. Under what we do, you will find a, uh, a military ministry quiz to kind of see where you're at on that. And then I'd love to have you join Military Ministries Matters, which you can sign up on uh, through Eventbrite. That's fantastic. I'm a pastor's kid. My husband and I uh, attend my, pa my dad's church, and so... Um, I will definitely be directing him to that quiz um, because that sounds amazing. I The last quote that I just love from the book is, first of all, that you had Deborah Grassman. She said, use pain as a passport to power. And, she also, and then there was another part that said that um, it's not rocket science. It's people science when you're working with veterans. And I just love those two quotes. And I think that like, I just, I think that listeners want to know, how do they really move towards branding their community, their church, their family as uh, veteran friendly? We know that many areas have started branding themselves with certain things that they are friendly towards, um, you know, single parent friendly. Um, ah, lots, interesting. Yeah. You know, lots of other things. So how can, how can they really move towards getting that kind of designation and owning that? Well, interestingly, if you happen to be an elected official in a community, I would highly encourage you 
to um, talk with your state legislature about how to brand your community as veteran friendly. You know, you drive into these towns and they have schools of excellence labels or, you know, all these other things. There's, um, there's a Purple Heart community, okay? So there's probably criteria to make you a Purple Heart community, but how wonderful would it be is on, your, on the gate to your city, if you say we are a proud veteran friendly city and i think that's something that uh, a, a local a local community there's a community in uh, in ohio that uh, is you know they were thinking about moving towards that uh, so that's as a community member um, the distinction of military friendly has been around forever for a long time in the employment uh, realm yes. if you will yes. uh, lots of lots of organizations that, that will offer you that designation I also help employers find and keep veteran talent in ways that will strengthen your team, increase your productivity, and uh, potentially generate cost savings if your veteran hiring and retention culture is great and you are becoming veteran ready. There's also a, a veteran ready assessment quiz I will put in the show notes if there's a a business person who's listing, I would love to offer you a 30-minute consultation after you complete the, the quiz and see if I can nice. offer, you offer you training maybe or consulting services or maybe, you know, be a speaker for, for one of your events or maybe a speaker at a faith community event. I, I love to get the word out about veteran champions. Um, I want to go back to Deborah Grassman's quote. And the, the, the one quote that I really love of hers is, don't waste your suffering. Oh, yes. We all suffer, yeah. don't we? And and if, if we learn lessons from our suffering, we are much better off. And so in, in this case for veterans, you know, you have you have suffered in some ways. In my case, it was it was hard moving so much. And, you know, I felt like I was I was kind of lonely and kind of on my own most of the time. Um, but that's easy stuff to overcome. Right. The harder stuff is if you're suffering in combat or you're suffering because you lost comrades, you lost, you know, battle buddies, you know, that's suffering to the, to the, to the worst extent, you know, how can you learn from that experience to help you heal and, and get the most out of life after that, that just, you know, very, 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 very difficult experience. So, uh, I encourage anybody who's listening, uh, to, to not waste their suffering, but, um, in closing, I'd like to offer that the best way anybody can go beyond thank you for your service is to develop a relationship with the veterans in your community, in your place of worship, uh, in your in your in your workforce. Um, be purposeful about it. You know, yes. start the conversation small. What, what did you like about the military? Where did you live? What did you like best? What was your job? What do you miss about it? You know, just be authentic. It, lead with your heart. Lead with your heart. You've got to be authentic. You know, it's not rocket science. It's people science. It's relationship building. Because we want nothing more than to feel connected to the community that we fought so hard for. We want to be yes. a part of the community. We are team players. We are community builders. We are civic assets. And we are people people, right? Uh, in most cases, but you know, there's there's sort of the the gruff the gruff veterans who you know may take a little bit longer to get to know, but you know, building those trusting relationships is something that everybody can work on, and you will you will you will get you will reap the benefits, uh, and and you will get the gifts in return by by building that relationship with the veterans, listening to their stories, caring about them, but most importantly where you kind of started off this interview with, act. If you ask how you can help them and they tell you, you must follow through or that yes. trusting relationship will be damaged. Yes, absolutely. So my email is Kathy with a K at VanguardVeteran.com. And again, the website is VanguardVeteran.com. I would love to invite you to my Military Ministry Matters on the first Sunday of the month and the quiz about uh, military ministries and uh, veteran ready employers will be in the show notes. Fantastic. Oh, Kathy, I just love this whole thing that Vanguard Veterans is doing. Thank you for being so gracious with your time, your wisdom, your life experience, and also the 30 minute consultations. I know there's going to be some business owners that would love to take advantage of that. So 
thank you again for your service and your sacrifice, for wearing the uniform, and for all you're doing right now. You know what? This has been an absolutely incredible interview, and uh, I'm grateful for the amount of time, effort, evaluation uh, that, that you spent on reading the book and bringing and highlighting some of these really important concepts. So, well done.